Welcome to the Zolotech Podcast. This is episode 6 for January 10th, 2009. Goodbye, Macworld. Hello, CES. Hello again, this is Aaron Zolo, and uh, today it's just me again. Um, We have a lot to talk about. I don't want to go into too much detail, really, just because it's myself. Uh, Alan will be back probably tomorrow or uh, the next day, so we'll we'll do another podcast uh, covering some similar things, but not everything. So this past uh, week, if you've been watching, which most of you have, uh, there was some iLife and iWork announcements at the uh, new or last Macworld, rather. I shouldn't say new because it's the last Macworld for Apple. Um, Strangely enough, uh, just not too long ago at the start of this podcast, uh, there was some news that most likely Apple will be attending CES 2010, which is kind of a weird thing just because uh, Phil Schiller of Apple had said the reason they're leaving Macworld is because it doesn't fit with their product timeline and that sort of thing. So whether they'll just be a mere presence or they actually have a uh, new keynote at CES is is yet to be seen. But uh, it would be interesting to see a, a keynote uh, at CES and have one place for everybody to go instead of going from California to back to Las Vegas and uh, trying to get everything situated between those two locations you know, fairly quickly. Uh, So at Macworld, there were three big announcements, basically, and that was uh, a new iLife suite, or an update, I should say, uh, an update to iWork, and uh, the obvious hardware update was the, uh, not really an update, but just the uh, release, finally, of the 17-inch MacBook uh, Pro. Now, we'll start with the MacBook Pro, since we're uh, already on that, and it's pretty much what you'd expect, just the 17-inch monitor uh, on the screen, uh, $2,799 or $2,700 right in there. Uh, you can you can add some options to it, up to 8 gigs of RAM, which is pretty neat. Uh, the other thing, too, uh, which is significant for this, is a new battery technology. Now, it's hard to say if they're going to include this in the future in their uh, current MacBook lineup, but I would think so. Uh, as they say, it's much more efficient, and they've developed a new way to uh, for the battery actually to charge and and supposedly giving it almost four times length, uh, 1,000 full uh, recycle charges or uh, cycle charges rather um, in the you know using up all the available space instead of just the uh, cylindrical uh, battery shape of typical cells that takes up a lot of room. So, you know, an eight-hour battery time, uh, that's kind of hard to think that that would really happen. Uh, They're saying seven hours on the higher-end video chip that's in the MacBook Pro. So that's yet to be seen if that's really going to be that length. I would say you can knock off about an hour, hour and a half to that um, just by going by past, past Apple, you know, specs and how long things should last. Uh, so that's that's it for the MacBook Pro, but you know, again, it's very thin and uh, just like the aluminum unibody MacBooks, those are it, it's really quite a a nice piece of hardware if you can afford it and you want to lug something that big around, really. So, so we'll get on to iLife now. There were some significant changes uh, to iPhoto and iMovie. 
it didn't really get me too uh, interested in it until I saw iMovie and then started to watch some demos on Apple's website. I watched the keynote and that was that was interesting, but I think the the demo speaks for itself a little bit better on their on their website. Um, that demo with basically adding all these pro features to a uh, relatively inexpensive app or a free app, depending if you're buying a new MacBook or not. So in iMovie, they uh, they uh, added a new editor, a um, I forget what they call it, but not like a professional editor, but a uh, it's a much more uh, basically you can go into more professional type of tools. So what it allows you to do is overlay clips. Um, overlay audio. It actually has some themes and it makes it all extremely easy to do. Uh, if you're interested in it, I would suggest or highly suggest you go check out Apple's site and just check out their demos. It, it really gives a detailed uh, video. I think it's about 15 minutes long. So, you know, if you have some time and you want to check it out, it's definitely worth watching. Now, the interesting stuff with iPhoto is uh, to add on top of the events that they had last year with iPhoto 08, uh, they actually have some uh, interesting things like geotagging. Now, if you're not familiar with that, that's location-based. So, like the iPhone has a GPS antenna in it, so that allows you, to, or, you know, allows your photos to tag those locations onto the photos. So, iPhoto has that ability built in to say, you know, if it has a uh, a photo from, say, the iPhone, it knows where it was taken, and it actually tags that into iPhoto and uh, updates it accordingly. So that that's actually pretty neat, especially when you want to do photo albums, that sort of thing, um, tagging your location and showing it, you know, like if you had a, the, the example they used was going on a trip. This is actually an iMovie, but they use a similar example, going on a trip from Boston over to Africa, you know, in Botswana. And uh, it was pretty neat uh, to see, you know, it automatically took that location information and applied it to the picture set. So that was pretty neat to see. Now, the um, the other thing in iPhoto was facial recognition. Now, interestingly enough, the same day or the day before, Google announced Picasa for Mac. Now, if anyone's used Picasa on Windows, you'll know that it does basically the same photo recognition. So you've got to assume that maybe Google lent their technology to Apple, uh, as they did on the iPhone. They kind of work hand-in-hand hand a lot, Apple and Google. So it's hard to say, um, you know, where they got the technology, but you can assume that they took some of the best things from Picasso, which actually uh, recognize, looks at someone's face or looks at the pixels and then compares them with other pictures in your photo library and uh, tags that picture person's name uh, you know, in each individual picture, and it will ask you to confirm on a couple bases. You know, if it, if it questions it, but for the most part, it, it looks like it's pretty accurate. If you've used Picasa, it works quite well, and uh, I'd imagine it worked about the same in in iLife or an iPhoto. Uh, the other interesting thing you can do with that, though, is once you've tagged that, there's actually a Facebook button and a Flickr button in the bottom right-hand corner of the new iPhoto 09. And what that allows you to do is instantly upload to your Facebook and tag your photos. The actual name and face uh, facial recognition will show up on Facebook. And then the demo they show on the site, on the Apple's site, is it tags all but one person in the photo. And then the person, you know, your friend tags that person in the photo. And then it automatically 
sends that back, that information back down to your iPhoto and says, is this so-and-so? And if you say yes, it will tag it and then tag all your photos with that new person. So that's some pretty interesting integration with uh, Facebook and Flickr, and I thought that was really neat. So um, it's only a $79 upgrade um, and a $99 for family pack if you have multiple computers. So I thought that was actually a pretty good deal. It's typical. All the iLifes have cost $79, since I can remember anyway. Um, they did upgrade uh, or update GarageBand a little bit to include a lot of celebrities giving you guitar lessons on some of the songs they have. And uh, it's yet to be seen how well that works, but the demos show that it's pretty good. Um, it, as long as there's a wide array of, of uh, downloadable content, that would be interesting, as long as they don't charge a fortune for it either, too, you know, as, as like a um, add-on pack or something like that. It would definitely be beneficial to, uh, to uh, see, you know, some artists like I prefer or, you know, I'm not so interested in, in uh, say... It's one of the artists they showed, uh, like Sting, for example. I, I may be interested in someone like um, probably Thousand Foot Crutch or, or Anne Berlin or something like that. So uh, it's hard to say exactly what kind of um, you know what what kind of artists they're going to have. But I'm sure that if it's a based on a monetary system, that a bunch of people will jump at the chance as long as they can. So. Um, there, that was pretty much it for iLife. Um, now they did update iWork, and uh, that was pretty interesting. Let me get a drink of coffee here, quick. Okay, so they updated iWork, and they did some web integration. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It's in a beta form, so right now you can't buy iWork or iLife if you go into the store. They're due, they're, they're due uh, for shipment at the end of the month. So if you go into the store and you see, uh, uh, you know, you ask for it, you're not going to find it. I asked once. I went in there to check it out the day it came out. I, I'd hoped I missed that it was coming out at the end of January. Uh, so unfortunately, I had to wait. Um, you know, as far as new, you know, the new features in iLife, though, or in iWork, rather, um, pages, they've added some full screen views. Nothing really that caught my eye that would make me want to upgrade if you don't already have it. Or if you do have it, rather. Now, if you don't have Pages or Word or anything on your Mac, uh, it's worth the upgrade. But if you don't, uh, I can't see that. It's actually only $50 if you buy a new Mac, and then it's $79 for uh, one license or $99 for five. So, And so, um, you know, for, uh, for that amount of... Uh, for that price, for you know, a word processor, pages, uh, numbers, which gives you um, Excel, basically, only much uh, much better looking, much easier to use in my experience, and then gives you Keynote, which is like PowerPoint. It's definitely worth the price. It's pretty much all you need. There's no reason to use Microsoft or, or Word on on the uh, on on a Mac unless you need the extra things like. Um, you know, if you need a uh, like access or something like that, so it's definitely worth it just because it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot better, in my opinion. Unless you're going to do some serious things, maybe like book writing that sort of thing, then you may want to consider Microsoft Word. But the updates to uh, iWork were in Pages, just full screen view. Uh, they gave an outline view so you could jot down your thoughts before you went to publish the actual or start to write your actual paper or whatever you're writing. 
They also gave uh, an update to numbers with basically integrating back and forth a little better between numbers, keynote, and, and pages. Uh, now, within keynote, um, they actually added some neat transitions, some I think they call it the can the uh, crane swing. So when you transition between slides, it actually will swing around like a crane view. Uh, they have a flip where the the words will flip down. Just simple little transitions that that help add uh, that little extra to your presentation. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's not a gigantic leap up if you already have pages. Now the big news for iWork was online integration. Now right now it's in beta and it's free. And you can actually download iWork 09 uh, for free on their site for a 30-day trial. And I've done that. And when you do that, um, you can you can sign up for the beta. And what it does is allow me to uh, put my put my uh, pages document online, and then from there it allows others to mark it up and see it and that sort of thing, make changes or suggestions, and uh, you know, give me feedback, that sort of thing. So it's more of a uh, a school or business type application for that. And they say there's going to be an extra fee for it once it rolls out. Now, the thing that I would assume would be in Mobile Me. Um, I mean, you already pay if you have that, you pay a hundred dollars a year for it anyway. I wouldn't see why they wouldn't incorporate that. Is Mobile Me could always use more features for the price, uh, although it is giving you online storage, that sort of thing. But it's yet to be said if that's actually going to happen. So, uh, you know, iWork is definitely a good choice. Uh, they did have this little uh, pack too that was neat that that if you need uh, Leopard and you don't have OS 10 Leopard yet, um, and you don't have iWork or you want the new iWork, and you don't have iLifeO9, or you want the new iLifeO9. It combines all of those things, I think, for $169, which is, is quite a good deal, considering the operating system itself is around $100, uh, and then $79 for just iLife. It's, it's a really good deal if you need all of those. So uh, that's definitely the way to go if you need all those things. Now, it's yet to be said if that's all... Um, you know, if they're separate disks or you have to load the whole thing in one shot, because if it's separate disks, it's cheaper to buy that uh, than it is to buy iWork and iLife separately. So it's hard to say, you know, whether or not, uh, I think it's only for one license though, but whether or not, you know, that's a good deal. And let me check that too, since I've got it right here. Um, we'll just see. I think it's just one license for $179 on Apple's site uh, for combo pack, I think is what they're calling it. It's it's a, um, I thought it was a pretty good deal considering, you know, if you don't have any of that stuff, it's, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, here it is. It is 169 So it's a 40% savings is what they're saying. Um, a family license is 229 So if you have five PCs that you, up to five, you want to put it on, you can. Uh, but it's still a really good deal at 229 if you have multiple Macs and you need to install that. Um, but that's, that pretty much does it. Now, there was one thing, uh, one extra thing with the Macworld Keynote. Um, is Keynote Remote for the iPhone. It's $0.99, cents and what that does is allow you to remotely control Keynote presentations. And it'll show you your notes and everything on there. It's actually a good review on iPhoneAppDaily.com. Uh, it's on YouTube or it's at their website, iPhoneAppDaily.com. Uh, there's actually a good video of that um, 
on there uh, that, that actually I did of Keynote Remote. It's in the, on the right-hand side where there's uh, featured videos. And uh, it shows you it's really simple, but for $0.99, cents, uh, it's really easy to use. And as long as you're on the same network as that Keynote, uh, you'll, it'll be fine and just work immediately. It, it notices it. If you've ever used the remote app from Apple, it works exactly the same way. You sync it and put in a number. Or not sync it, but it actually uh, looks for it on the network. And then put, you put in a code on your Mac, and then they sync together in there. Or they're locked so that's pretty much it for uh, Macworld being their last Macworld. It's hard to see what's going to happen next year for Macworld, but maybe they'll kind of integrate that somehow into CES. Uh, and, and if so, that'd be really great just because you could go to one venue and see all of that stuff and maybe even start it a couple days before CES just to get everything going. But uh, who knows until, until next year rolls around. Uh, now, as far as CES goes, we're, we've made our way into it, and the big story there so far has been the Palm Pre. Um, I have an iPhone. I'm not really interested in getting another phone right now, but for someone that doesn't have an iPhone, um, that may not want an iPhone, but they're looking for something different. Uh, I mean, many people are calling it the iPhone killer. I think it's really good, um, but I think they cater to different crowds. So the Palm Pre has the advantage of a slide-out QWERTY keyboard, keyboard and um, that makes it nice for typing. I prefer the touchscreen. I just have gotten used to it, but I'm not a big texter. Uh, but it works fine, and the, the error correction on the iPhone works fine for me. But I know for the majority of people, they don't like it. Um, so this has a slide-out QWERTY keyboard from Palm, a new WebOS, which looks really nice. Um, it may be the thing that brings Palm back into the game. The, the uh, WebOS is really nice. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Sprint only. I would imagine eventually, or they have said eventually, it'll be 3G compatible. So uh, if you have Sprint, uh, wait for that to come out if you're waiting for a new phone. Um, that's the uh, next big thing in smartphones, I would imagine. As long as it's as, uh, as good as they're saying, and, and all the reviewers are saying, like Engadget, People that have had hands-on with it say it's really good. Uh, the BlackBerry Storm was supposed to be really good, but it, it kind of disappointed because it didn't deliver. It, it has a slow interface. If you've ever used one, uh, you scroll and it's kind of choppy. Um, and they may have updated that a little bit, but still, I've had, uh, I know someone with one, and they're just kind of disappointed with it, unfortunately. Um, so that's really the big story. You see every place like, uh, you know, Gear Live, Engadget. Um, Gizmodo, all those guys are talking this up over and over, and it's it's pretty impressive. Uh, as far as Palm goes, they really apparently have been listening and finally have come out with something that people really, really will want. So that's really nice to see. Um, but as far as other things, I thought were interesting. Um, Vizio's releasing some new televisions, and normally I wouldn't even mention this, just because televisions, you know, there's a million of them. But the one that's kind of neat that Vizio's coming out with, all of their lines seem to be under $1,000, which I thought was pretty pretty good, up to, I think, 46 inches. Um, but their new ones are coming with wireless N, 802.11N. And um, that will allow the phone, or allow the phones, allow the televisions to um, connect wirelessly, obviously. But it will also allow them to surf things such as YouTube. Uh, I think it has Java built in, that sort of thing, Flash and all that. So what it does is it allows you to surf the web with a web browser. Uh, it actually has a remote with a slide-out QWERTY keyboard. 
uh, full QWERTY keyboard. And uh, it also has, uh, I think, YouTube, Netflix, uh, trying to think of all them. Uh, I think it has radio, like, like um, Pandora, and it has a lot of different things. It's actually on Zolotech.com if you want to take a look. Uh, the pictures of the, the actual remote that I put up there, but it's um, it's actually seems like a really nice idea for for a television if you want to just surf YouTube and that sort of thing. I, you know, adding a, a few features other than unless you already have something like an Apple TV or you use your Xbox all the time, but uh, to have that built right into a TV and wirelessly is really really a, a great idea. Um, now, uh, as far as, and they're making some different, Vizio is making some different, nicer-looking televisions. There were some small competitors out there a few years ago. Everybody thought they they were the next, you know, low-end model. They're no good. But Vizio's really proven that it's, it, it's up there with, you know, Sony and those other guys as far as picture quality and things like that. Now, I'm not saying it's as good as, you know, high-end uh, Pioneer sets, that sort of thing, that are, uh, like, the the Kuro and that sort of thing. They're just not even close, I'm sure, just because they're four grand cheaper. But uh, they're, they're really nice for the most part. And uh, they have some, you know, wood-coated bezels, that sort of thing. So, uh, now as far as other noteworthy things at CES, uh, there's a ton of things, but I'm just going to mention a few. Uh, I've actually posted about some of them, but uh, I thought was kind of neat was the LG is finally coming out with their wrist phone. Uh, it's a swing back to like Dick Tracy. It's got a touchscreen interface. Uh, it's a full 3G phone uh, with SMS. Now, obviously, you're going to have a small screen, um, but it's pretty small, and it was shown, I think, last year, if I remember right, at CES. But it's actually going into production and coming out this year. Now, there's still no word on price for that phone. Uh, and if you really want a phone on your wrist, you know, but it is Bluetooth compatible. You can wear an earpiece and use the phone that way. So that is kind of convenient if you don't like, uh, you know, you don't like to keep your phone in your pocket, that sort of thing. Um, I personally don't even like to wear wristwatches, so I'm not going to, you know, even go near one of those. But uh, it's definitely a neat concept, especially as technology gets smaller and smaller. That's that's the way to go. Uh, you know, who knows what's next? Maybe an earpiece with the phone built in. Uh, with voice recognition, you know, uh, it's as long as technology keeps getting smaller, we can do more and more things like that. Uh, other things of note, uh, Windows 7 is pretty much, I've been using the beta here for a couple days now. In Windows 7, I've got to say, even though I'm primarily a Mac user, um, I've been using Vista since the beta. Uh, and I actually was one of the few that said Vista was better. Now, I know a ton of people are going to argue with me on that. A lot of people have. And there are things that are better. There are things that are worse. Uh, you know, as far as stability, I don't know if it's my hardware or what, but it's been far more stable than XP. I know most people say XP is really stable, but uh, I'm always installing, uninstalling, uh, you know, different programs, that sort of thing. And it just hasn't proved to be that stable. Uh, and it just ends up in a reformat. It slows down and that sort of thing. Uh, and it's not necessarily from viruses. It's just because it gets all de or it gets all fragmented, and then I have to defrag and all other uh, other sorts of things too. But anyway, uh, Vista is just proven to be more stable, but sometimes sluggish. Now it seems Windows Seven has really fixed that. In my personal experience, it's extremely fast. I'm only running it on a. Uh, I've actually tried it in uh, VMware Fusion on my MacBook, and it runs fine. It runs just as fast as XP, I have to say, because I have XP on VMware Fusion to use uh, 
Rhapsody and that sort of thing, you know, a couple other Windows programs. Um, and it's really fast. I was really impressed by it. Uh, Windows 7 seems to be pretty much done, I think. Um, Paul Thura on Windows Weekly has said numerous times uh, the same thing, that it's it's he thinks it's going to come out in June, July, and uh, it's pretty much done already. And I would have to say he's probably right. It, it's built on Vista. It's what Vista should have been. It's really refined. Um, it's got some really nice touches. The menus are laid out much better. And it's unique in that it's not it's not as much of a copy as Ma of Mac OS X as you would think. So it's got the taskbar. They've got the new taskbar at the bottom. But I would definitely suggest uh, when you use that taskbar, if you're going to use the beta, what you want to do is you want to change the taskbar so that it doesn't group the items. And what that will do is put it back to the traditional taskbar, uh, showing you what program is open when you've got it open. And the reason you want to do that is because, although they tried to do this and it's fairly nice, uh, they definitely need to change the default to this because you can't see what your program is. So say you have four windows of Internet Explorer open, and then you have Windows Media Player open. You mouse over uh, Internet Explorer, and it shows you there's four windows open. But you have to mouse over, let your mouse sit for a half a second. It pops up those four windows. Then you see what you're looking at. Unless you do that, you can't see what you're looking at quickly. So if you're going to use, if you have to switch between things quickly, you know, at your workplace, or I'm, I can't imagine they're going to implement Windows 7 at a workplace that quickly usually. But, uh, it, you know, it works well, but you, it, the better is to, the best way is to ungroup them so you can see it. And then when you do that, um, it's got a nice little visual effect that what happens is you mouse over the task you want and it takes the color from that uh, program and incorporates it into kind of a nice rainbow effect, I guess is the way to put it. Is So you have Internet Explorer, it shows a blue color as you mouse over it and it fades in and out. So it's it's really got a lot of nice visual animations and visual candy like OS 10 does, and it flows as good as that. I was surprised that it, it didn't get choppy like Arrow did, that sort of thing. It's very quick, very fast, um, and it, it really seems like the time was spent to use it, make sure it works right. So, so you would go blue, you mouse over Internet Explorer, it goes blue. If it's Firefox, it'll go orange and on and on, depending on what program you're running, it kind of takes the color off that. And if you have a bunch, it's, it's going to go a rainbow across. And it, I mean, it's not anything you need, but it's a nice visual effect that's there. Um, so that, you know, that's pretty neat to have uh, just some nice extra things that Windows does a little bit differently than OS X. You can't say that it copied it, but it's just as nice in, in different ways. Um, now, as far as stability, it's been super stable. Uh, it's been really quick. It definitely boots faster than Vista, shuts down faster than Vista, and I actually did an upgrade over the top of Vista. And so I noticed an immediate difference uh, just in something simple. For example, if you go to the control panel and you want to uninstall a program, it's no longer add remove programs. It's uninstall a program in the lower left. So you click uninstall a program, instantly it switches and shows you your programs. In Vista, that takes sometimes 20 seconds before it'll populate. And I don't know what the, you know, what it is that causes that, but um, in Windows 7, that doesn't happen. The other thing I noticed, too, is I've installed Windows 7 on another machine yesterday. And what I found was, uh, 
user access control, I wasn't sure if it was uh, if I was seeing the right thing just because I'd done an upgrade over Vista. But user access control over, you know, starting from scratch, I, I can say is just like a Mac now. It will ask you the first time you open a program, you know, you install Firefox, you open it, it says, Do you, are you sure you want to open this? You click yes, it doesn't bug you again. That's it. Uh, P I know people have said that in Vista that only happens once, but I've had it happen multiple times. I don't know if it's a bug or what, but it's definitely annoying still. And uh, it's not so much anymore. It's it's very Mac-like in that way, and it's still protective, but it also is user-friendly and doesn't drive you nuts. So they've really listened to their customers this time and improved it. Now, I know the beta was available and the kind of the servers got so slammed that it's kind of not right now, but it will be again. And uh, I suggest you download it. If you like Windows, go get it. If, if, uh, even if you have a Mac, uh, try, try it through Parallels or VMware Fusion. You'll probably think it's much better. I, I'd be surprised if you thought it was worse than Vista. And it's kind of hard to get worse than Vista. It's got such a bad reputation. And it seems to be, be very sluggish. Now, it does use a lot of memory still. Uh, I, it was using 700 megs. I have 2 gig. Um, but maybe it's using memory like Mac is, finally, you know, where it takes all what it has, all of what it has, combines it, and improves your experience. Hopefully it does that and doesn't just pile on things like uh, Windows has done, in, uh, has done traditionally. So we only have a couple more stories uh, I wanted to tell you about. Um, I thought one thing was neat. Uh, a Casio high-speed digital camera can take a thousand frames a second. Now there was someone on the on the website that actually commented and said that uh, they had a camera like this last year, and the downside of it is when you go to a thousand frames a second, you get a terrible resolution. Now that's yet to be seen. This is a nine megapixel camera, uh, point and shoot, but it also has the thousand frames per second. It's hard to say without using one, but he could be very right. Uh, whoever posted that. Um, it, it's hard to say until we we get our hands on one, but I'd love to try it out. Uh, you could do your own, you know, time warp show, that sort of thing, as I, I actually wrote that, because uh, that's exactly what I thought of is, you know, how cool it would be to, you know, I, not be destructive, but do something safe <laughs> and uh, record it in high speed and see what happens, you know, pop a water balloon or something and see if you get the kind of quality. I wouldn't imagine HD, but, you know, you get the good quality. Hopefully the resolu resolution stays up there. But uh, other than that, it's just a normal Casio 9 megapixel camera. But that was that was kind of, you know, of no. Uh, the only other things that I saw that I thought were neat is Alpine is finally uh, fully supporting the iPhone. They haven't done that in the past. I've used Alpine uh, receivers, head units in my cars for years. Uh, currently, I use a Pioneer. There's actually a review on Zolotech.com where I reviewed the Pioneer because um, the Alpine, although they are all iPod compatible, most of them, they're not all 100% iPhone compatible. They do work, but there's some glitches here and there. And uh, I had that experience more so with the 3G than with the original iPhone. So the new iPhone, or the new uh, receivers, they have a double DIN touchscreen receiver. It's a little bit pricey in the $500 range, but it's doubled in full touchscreen display uh, for your iPod controls. I thought that was a really, uh, really nice change for Alpine. It's their first touchscreen display. Uh, Pioneer had a bunch last year. They have a new one this year. Uh, same thing. 
Um, it's just not as uh, they have a new one that's more Bluetooth friend, friendly and uh, more about hands free uh, as opposed to Alpine being more touch screen. I tend to like the touch screen hands on approach. Um, it, it's it looks pretty nice uh, if you've seen it. It's it. it it's a little bit large, but I'd love to see the interface. I wish someone would demo that at CES, and maybe CNET or someone will. I actually wasn't able to go, unfortunately. But there's so many news stories coming out from everywhere, uh, you, you almost don't need to go. Um, they did uh, release a few other models, Alpine did, um, more with the scroll wheel that, you know, more very similar to their other uh, head units over the past couple of years, uh, just with more features, a little bit different design, that sort of thing. Uh, as with Pioneer, they've done the same thing. JVC, they all have USB inputs now, um, which will read not only an iPod, but read off hard drives. The exception to that is the Zune, because the Zune is proprietary. I tried that with the Pioneer I have, and, and uh, unfortunately it didn't work. I thought the Zune isn't bad, especially for, you know, for the storage. Now, in iPod Classics, you know, the same thing. I thought I'd try out the Zune just because of the uh, Zune store, which I really like, actually with the Zune 3.0 software, they, the downside is they have no Mac version, you know, which you could assume most Mac users aren't going to use a, a Microsoft Zune. Um, but um, in my experience, you know, they, the Zune I wish worked in the car. I thought it would be really great just to have a couple different things to play around with. But unfortunately it doesn't. Uh, but anything like a Sansa or any of those will work fine. Uh, actually a hard drive, it tells you how to format it. Uh, Many of them in the past couple of years have been USB compatible with hard drives, MP3 CDs, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's pretty much it so far. There's been a ton of news at CES. Uh, if you follow it, I obviously can't post it all myself on Zolotech.com. I try to grab the most interesting things, but there are... Uh, Engadget has incredible coverage as they have an army of people. Um... But, uh, you know, there's things nonstop, you know, different cameras coming out and different, you name it. I mean, CES is just full of new gadgets and that sort of thing. So uh, that's pretty much it for this podcast. Um, we hope to see you next time. Uh, hopefully we'll have a couple more people uh, join in next time. Is You know, you're probably sick of just hearing one or two voices. So we'll see you next time. This is Aaron with Zolotech.com. See you then.